What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 666. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, the horror movie podcast for the casually obsessed and the J-horror obsessed. I'm John. I'm Kim. And we're here today talking about another film from Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Just like last week's episode, it is just as depressing and bleak and uh, a lot deeper and philosophical than you're maybe looking for in your in your standard J-horror movie, but we are talking about The Cure. I think it's just Cure. Right, Cure. We're talking about Cure. It's the kind of movie where a, a the changes the whole movie, I think. Out the gate, I have no idea what this movie's about. We can talk about the title. Uh, I have very little input. (laughs) This is going to be a very unique episode of Nightmare on Film Street because similar to, say, a review we would do for a modern movie, we have not discussed this movie one fucking bit, and we are here today to figure it the fuck out. Yeah, we made a a real hard lockdown on our phones after watching this so that neither of us could, you know, like read essays or articles or even the Wikipedia on the film because I think we want to go into this completely uninfluenced by anybody else, anybody else's opinions. For now, we're going to get to it because I think we owe it to ourselves to understand what this movie is about so we don't crack that egg we're gonna get we're gonna find somebody to crack it for us or at least to give us their uh their ideas but i think we should go through this as best we can yeah on the surface it is just a detective story about a slightly maybe possibly supernatural detective story about a serial killer who is 
influencing? So, somehow influencing other people to commit his very specific murders. But but outside of that, it is ma- it is a larger... You know, surprise, surprise. We went into Pulse uh, expecting just like, a, oh, a quick little J-horror about a weird little monster that shows up on the internet and causes people to commit suicide and then becomes a deep philosophical discussion on, on the nature of making connections and, and human... Uh, uh, friendships and stuff <laughs> and, and Cure is kind of also the same deal it's like yeah it's a cops and murderers story but it's also like what the fuck is it to be human <laughs> who boy <laughs> we are not qualified to talk about these movies oh I think we say that out the gate that's in our tagline <laughs> yeah it, you know Nightmare on Film Street used to be uh, the tagline used to be zero credibility but we both got certified on Rotten Tomatoes for writing reviews and stuff so we kind of had to drop that but I'm really feeling it today <laughs> like it should have sent somebody else to talk about this movie but before we get into it uh, three good things from a dummy like like me and you know that smart person like Kim Aww. Uh, it's got some really gnarly practical effects like surgically gnarly practical effects fleeting though you have to say fleeting there's not a whole lot agreed but when they come it's it's, very surprising (laughs) yeah you know like you you see somebody rip off a person's face in uh you know a toby hooper movie hoo-ha love it cheers let's have another swig of whiskey you see it in this movie you want to crawl into bed and and draw the blinds (laughs) it's because it's very slow and unexpected yeah number two i don't know great cinematography and editing like it's a fucking incredible movie it's very crisp and very clean and it was surprising that this film came out three years, two, three years before Pulse. Uh Same director, and you can kind of see the same influences. Lots of, you know, bad guys with shower curtains as their their lair MO. But it's very deliberately clean and smooth and like there's not a lot of clutter in the scenes and everything's centered and aligned. This one feels a lot more clinical than Pulse. Pulse definitely... I'm seeing that some of those decisions were a little bit more deliberate. Mm. Yeah, well, it's, it's probably the difference between being shot on film and being shot like early digital too, right? Is maybe the other thing, mm. which makes sense for a movie like Pulse. It's about technology and how things are changing in the early 2000s. Tacking on to, to that a little bit, I mentioned the editing. Like, there's a few scenes in this movie where you're you're just getting like flashes of other scenes, and you know, as a person who is streaming the movie from the Criterion Channel or just streams movies constantly, occasionally the technology fucks up and it like jumps around a bit. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a problem you guys have. Our internet's not perfect, but uh, but it, it, at first I thought the movie was fucking up and there was a problem with the Chromecast, but it's it's purely an editing decision and it completely changes some fucking scenes yeah you can't really call them dream sequences but as a film would have you know there's a there's a not literal scene they're very jarring and basically spliced in this film with very little context and it makes them just so uncomfortable yeah number three this movie uh, is about in some small way hypnosis and I'm not entirely sure the movie wasn't trying to hypnotize me. 
What? <laughs> Did, didn't you feel like you were sort of like being lulled into like a weird sort of, was it theta brain? Like, you know, that flow state you kind of get when you're just like really focused on something and you can feel your brains shift into like a different gear. Like in the way that the prestige is a magic trick, like a movie about magic tricks that is also a magic trick. I think Cure is a movie about hypnosis that it is also kind of hypnotizing. I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, those those are that's my third good thing. But I will say in the last like 20, 30 minutes of the film, I did keep calling out your name to check that you were still awake because it got very quiet on your side of the couch. I was studying. <laughs> <laughs> At one point I asked you if you were awake and you didn't respond to that. You just you. Asked oh, I a, really? I, OK. <laughs> you asked a question about something that had happened in the film 20 minutes earlier. And I was like, <laughs> did he just wake up or has he been thinking about that for 20 minutes? <laughs> I told you this movie this movie this movie got to me. I could tell. <laughs>なんだ。特別な人間である The Cure. Whoop. <laughs> Cure from 1997 is currently sitting at a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. It's a pretty great rating for IMDb. And 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. And 4.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Holy moly. I think a lot of that Letterboxd stuff, though, is, is that this movie has kind of had a reevaluation. I think a lot of people discovered it recently. I actually read on Wikipedia the, the quick little glance that I did. I did not try and find any uh, any anything out about the movie that I didn't already know. I just saw that it you know it was released in Japan in '97. The Toronto International Film Festival played it in 2001. Wow! It wasn't available on home video in Britain in the UK until 2018. So like a lot of these ratings might actually be quite recent. Hmm. And uh, early in the pandemic, I saw some people talking about it. That's where. 
I watched it for the first time. Well, apparently Bong Joon-ho, this is one of his favorite oh, okay. movies of all time, and he quotes it as like one of his biggest inspirations. Got it. So I think after he won the Oscar for Parasite. He got that Parasite bump. He got that Parasite bump. Well, good for this movie. <laughs> it fucking deserves it. Um, it's so bizarre. Like like I said, I've seen this twice now, and I'm still just as puzzled by it. You've seen I, it twice? Yeah. Oh, well, that's not fair. You're going to have more insight. I assure you, I will not. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I liked it a lot more this time around, but I think I when I first watched it, it was part of that glut of movie watching that I did in 2020 where I was basically just trying to fill time. And this is not the kind of movie you should watch if you're just hoping that the day will end faster. It is much more of a thinker than you might expect. Okay, well, let's walk through it a little bit because by the end of this film, I am so confused. Yep. But maybe if we walk our way there, like literally, we can understand what it's about. <laughs> my f- one of my favorite parts about this movie is that it just immediately is just like, fuck it, we are in the middle of this murder case. Like, we want to we wanna take baby steps toward understanding this story. This story literally starts like three weeks into a murder investigation. Yeah, so we have three victims, <laughs> yeah. all that have been murdered by basically the person closest to them who has no justification for why they did it. Mm-hmm. They know that they did it. They do not know why. And they all have the same victim pattern so all of the victims have an x carved on the front of their throat yeah like a front like from each side of their neck down into their chest Mm -hmm. and uh it seems it seems as though most of them say the best they can figure is that the devil made me do it there was a voice in my head that told me to do it i'm not the kind of person who wants to commit murder i have never had murderous thoughts i in a lot of cases loved the person that i that i murdered and the best i can figure is that the devil made me do it like there's no reason why i should have committed this murder nobody told me to do it uh you know they didn't say anything that ticked me off i just bam murdered them and so we're then immediately deposited in kind of a a case as it's happening. I like being I like referring to walking into a story as being deposited into it. That is a I'm going to steal that from you and I'm going to use that forever from now on. Oh, thank you. Well, cuz you you don't have a choice. You're the viewer, right? So like you're you're in the doom buggy through the haunted mansion and like okay. we're going into the dining room now. Yeah. Unless unless somebody like has trouble getting off and then you wait for a while. <laughs> That's always the weirdest moment. It's always weird when you're like going into the graveyard and you're like upside down and you're like, are we going to move soon? The blood is rushing to my head. Yeah, getting stuck there, that always sucks. And I can't see anything cool. (laughs) So we're on a beach and there's a guy there. I think he's sketching or he's working or whatever. He's just sitting in a dune. And some really odd guy comes up and is just asking him weird questions like, where am I? What's the date? Okay, well, well, what beach is this? And where? what city is this beach in? And but he's also forgetting it like, as he's in real asking. Time. Yeah, so he's repeating questions, and you just are so unnerved and uncomfortable of this guy. And they kind of bump into each other as they're leaving, and he asks the guy for help. And you're just like, "Don't help this guy. Just, <laughs> just go home. Just don't." And not because we know there's potentially a what do you call it, like a murder. Influencer. <laughs> a murder influencer. <laughs> On the loose. Yeah. But, you know, like, despite all of those those things in your gut that are supposed to tell you not to do things, he brings him home and makes him coffee and introduces him to his wife. I mean, he does look like he needs help. Like, at the he very does. least, he should be probably be brought to the police. Deposited <laughs> at a fire station. Deposit again. Yeah. <laughs> 
returned like a book to the library. Yeah, and his behavior is just like odd and erratic. Like he's very calm and subdued, but there's just yeah, there he he has a bad aura. <laughs> you know? He does have a really bad aura. And the more he asks questions, he starts to pry into the person he's talking to, almost like in a soft interrogation. Like mm-hmm. he he starts asking them about their lives and I guess digging for things that are missing that he could potentially exploit in his weird, calm, questioning way. Yeah, because he, they, you know, they're obviously trying to ask, trying to jog his memory, thinking that maybe if they just ask the right questions, he'll remember who he is and where he comes from and where he needs to go. Um, and it's kind of just like a flip that he puts on them. Like, well, I don't remember anything about myself. So tell me about you. Who are you? And then he kind of reverses the roles in the conversation and starts getting them to open up about themselves. And then very key thing that you don't necessarily realize is going to be super important. He lights a cigarette and, and the, you know, they start, there's really no way of like really running around it. Like he, he starts hypnotizing people. That's what it comes down to. Like we learn throughout the movie that this is just like a pattern that he has where he is able to, hypnotize people and get them into a suggestive state and without necessarily telling them what to do after he leaves and walks out of their life within, they murder somebody within 12 hours they've murdered somebody yeah without uh, fail too yeah because we see him do it with the couple which is super sad the cop that picks him up every single person he interacts with ends up murdering somebody and the really interesting thing about him as a character is that he doesn't seem to have a goal he just bumbles around and bumps into people and then gets them to commit murder when he when he meets that police officer it's because he's jumping off of a building like it's not high enough that he dies but he does have a uh, like a bum foot the rest of the movie he basically just twists his ankle but while he's in the police box with them and they're trying to you know ask him questions about who he is and wait for the hospital to show up and and bring him to the the institution he starts talking to the police officer and sim- similar to the the conversation in the beginning of the movie he lights a cigarette cigarette he actually this time leaves his lighter on the table he gets the cop to sort of like fixate on it and we don't see the entire conversation but later on in the day that cop just kills his partner and carves the same x uh into his into his neck and two he after that he goes to the doctor's office and we see him you know go through his checkup and he manipulates the doctor and it's really creepy because every time we go through this experience we see a little bit more of the end stages of the hypnosis yes. like with the husband and wife we don't see the negative hypnosis him goading him into killing his wife with the cop we kind of do a little bit we see a little bit of him putting the cop into the state of hypnosis and then with the doctor we actually see him influencing negative emotions yeah what's really interesting about that and the murders in general is that the psych the the, the cop investigating it the lead uh, the lead detective his partner in this is a psychiatrist which seems perfect you know given who we find out who the murderer is because mm-hmm. it's very it's really based in psychology P.S. the that his partner is like the Brad Pitt of this movie. Oh, we called him Brad Pitt the whole time we <laughs> yeah. were watching it. Yeah, he's he's got some pretty fun fashions. If you're into you know pleated baggy pants and sweaters, <laughs> you know he looks like a fashion forward psychiatrist. Well, and it's it's Brad 
Brad Pitt's hair circa 1997 right? as well. And he's eating in every scene. <laughs> yeah, he's always got scene. a cup or a snack. <laughs> yeah, so, but he's great. And the, he, he explains to the police, because they're, they're just throwing around any possibility. They've got zero leads, zero motivation. They can't figure out a goddamn thing about this, this killer. Uh, but just grasping at straws, the detective starts to play around with the idea of like, well, what if it's somebody hypnotizing these people? He pretty, he lets, let's all agree here that he leaps to hypnosis real quick. He's like, it's hypnosis. I just because we don't get like six episodes of him just like at the board, putting strings together and pulling his hair out. Like, sure. I'm, I'm sure he came up with a ton of reasonable suggestions before he got to hypnosis, but much in the same way that the movie's just like, fuck it. We're three murders in it's fuck it. We're back. We're to hypnosis already. Okay. Uh, and, and the, the, the psychiatrist explains to him like, that's, that's a cool idea. You know, okay, yeah, it's not dumb. I'm not calling you an idiot or anything, but you can't hypnotize people into doing something that they fundamentally disagree with. Yeah, like you can't morally convince somebody to kill someone if, it, if it's not something that they would do of sound mind. Yeah, but we like with the the psychiatrist, or I guess especially with the the doctor, the in, the intake doctor at the uh, at the facility that the police bring him to. We we see a really great example of him finding like the one avenue in which a murder makes sense. He brings her back to like her medical days, or when they had an emotion where they thought like I could just kill this person. Yes. So I, I guess what he's trying to get at is that everybody has that thought at some point, or everybody has a motivation or a desire for it, even if it's just like a small passing thought. Which is, so just snapshotting this conversation we're having right now it gives so much context to that mundane little scene where the detective is picking up his dry cleaning oh fuck man that is that's like it's almost played for laughs at the beginning of the movie but you're so fucking right i completely forgot about that so while he's waiting to have his ticket taken at the dry cleaner there's a guy standing next to him who's just muttering terrible things under his breath he's impatient he's fucking pissed he's just full of this passive aggressive rage yeah and then the dry cleaning attendant gives him his suit or whatever and he's like oh thanks so much and he leaves yeah i get the impression that he's playing out a scene from the, the day at work like maybe not so mm. maybe not so much the like what he wants to say to the dry cleaner but just uh, like what he would have said if he was a more aggressive person at work like these fucking idiots blah 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 and yeah like it's it's like it's something simmering under the surface that you just don't see but exists mm-hmm. and only you know about it and that's like that animal thing that this guy is sort of tapping into which is crazy because then you're like, oh, all of these people resent the people that they're closest with. Man, that's that's some real that's some real dark shit. And I think like explaining that and exploring that is the detective because he has a really hard relationship with his wife. Oh, it's so sad. It's very, very sad. She actually goes to the same hospital for treatment that, at least I think it's the same hospital. I'm not sure. No? Okay, it's a hospital, and in my mind, same place. (laughs) Now, probably the same shooting location, but let's assume two different hospitals. She has a sort of like early onset dementia that she's dealing with. She, like like the killer in the movie, kind of has a, a hard time with memory similar to like an old person with alzheimer's sort of gets lost wandering through the street she leaves him dinner at, at on the table but it's just a raw steak on a plate and she constantly <laughs> puts on the washing machine at all hours of the night 
even though there's no clothes in the washing machine and it drives this detective nuts. It's so painful to watch in the movie because you know he loves her. There's so much love between them and we only see the one scene where he gets home real late. It's definitely like past bedtime and she's up and she makes him dinner even though he's already started for himself. Yeah. And it's just so tender and sweet and he suggests like, okay, we're going to go on a trip after this, after this big case, like you and me, you pick anywhere you want to go and... And at first she's like, no, like, we're not going to do it. And then you could tell she's, like, super excited for it. Yeah, but she, she, I don't want to say she knows she's a burden to him, but it's it's hard to keep denying that her condition is becoming, like, the biggest problem for the both of them. And because she can't necessarily take care of even herself, he has to take care of the both of them. It's it's real, real hard. It's and it's it's super it really sucks because it is so grounded in reality that it's not even like a glossy movie version of what a mental illness looks like. It sucks. Yeah, at one point when he's getting too into the case, he decides that he's going to check her into the facility where she's been getting treatment. Mm-hmm. And they're on the bus there. And she thinks that they've already started, like, they're going on the vacation. Yeah, that's really, that's tough. She's like, I can't wait till we get to Okinawa. It's going to be, the beaches there are going to be so pretty. And I, I think he has told her that they're not going on the vacation before they got on the bus. Yeah. Because there's a real frankness to it when he says, you know we're not going to Okinawa, right? And she's like, yeah, I know, but I'm just, I just like to imagine what the beaches will look like. Man, and when he drops her off at the hospital too, and he's just like, yeah, no, this is just until like work calms down and everything's everything's cool again. The doctor's like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Like, he, everybody knows this is a permanent solution, and it's oh, man. And before that too, we, we pan through their bedroom at night, and she has all of these pamphlets of all of, like, she was choosing the place she wanted to and go And she on has vacation. bags packed. I think that's why he decides to do it. Like, one, this is, a, like, a really frustrating moment for him. Like, the case is, is getting harder and harder. Uh, his home life is getting harder. And they, they, they've already implanted this idea of a vacation in her head that she's grasped onto. And so he kind of maybe just seizes the opportunity while she's got her bags packed to maybe not i it's hard to say we actually never see the conversation that he has with his wife about getting on the bus and going to the hospital he could have very well said we're going on that vacation and he, and even if he didn't maybe that's just what she heard right and it almost doesn't matter because she's going to forget it anyway man isn't that yeah what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket outsourcing business tasks you hate What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. 
but nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. I don't 100% have a full grasp on the relationship between the detective and his wife and the serial killer hypnotist, but something about how uh, how her brain processes information and works seems to to really lay nicely on top of the hypnotizing serial killer story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily have the words right now to explain. I think all of at that. its I think at its simplest though, it's his biggest vulnerability. It's his biggest, I guess, like secret shame. It's the part of his life that he compartmentalizes when he's you know this tough stone cold detective and it's the the easiest thing for the killer to exploit Hmm. well there's there is also this entire conversation has just been i think us saying things and being reminded of other things and trying to like lobby back and forth on that stuff there's a great conversation between the killer and the detective where he he asks him who you are he says that to a lot of people, like, hey, who are you? Man, this is like, it's it's almost like Japan's first nihilist. Like, he walks into a room and he's like, who are you? And he's just like, I'm chief inspector of, of, of Tokyo. And he's just well, like, he's like, okay, yeah, but, okay, but chief are inspector, you? who are you? Yeah, and, and then his his face drops. Like, he's never been asked that. Like, who am I? Like, like they've. this is the first time anybody is being introduced to any sort of radical philosophy. Like, oh my God, life is meaningless and I am nothing except for the facade that I put out for the world to see. And so he has that conversation with the detective like, you know, you are a you are, you know, the detective when you're here at work and you are the husband when you are at home. But you are neither of those things. You are just a projection of what you want people to see of you. And that's that's kind of like the core of the movie. Like he the killer is nothing, you know, like I'm an empty vessel. He says that to one of his victims and it's like really chilling because he says that like I am empty of everything. And so, oh, so because I, of that, I can see what you're full of. Like, oh, I man, can, I, I fucking can, like, love that line. That is like <laughs> some cult leader shit. Like, he is Charles Manson in his way through everybody in this movie. Like, the opposite of what a mirror is. Like, he's just a void that could be filled. Yeah. Like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's it's a lot of, like, thought experiment stuff. And I do love that the detective eventually kind of gets so fucking sick of it. Like, you can see when he's he's got the killer in front of, like, all of his superiors to sort of explain the situation who this guy is and how we need to sort of maybe bring him to trial as a unique case because he's not quote unquote a murderer but he has incited murder and they're all griping and talking amongst each other and then he's, he's having this quiet conversation with the detective like can you hear my voice I know you can hear my voice right now and that means that you're a very special person I knew that when I first saw you and like you can see that he's trying to I, I don't know if hypnotize is the right word, but he is trying to get into his head and he's trying to get his fingers inside the cop's brain and the cop just punches him in the face. <laughs> he's like, I've had enough of this bullshit. Because like all anybody has to do is stop listening to the guy. Yeah, and that's, that's a part of the, the movie that we're not even talking about is just every single time once this guy is in police captivity, 
every time one of these cops or whatever are alone with him, you're just like, get out, get out, get out, get out. Don't be like, alone with they him. They all entertain long ass conversations with him and he, he tries to hypnotize them every single time. Yeah, like they go into his apartment and he has, he's got hundreds of books, like educational books on, on different types of philosophy and hypnosis and animal magnetism. <laughs> and like one person in particular, Mesmer, becomes a very... Uh, key figure in all of that. He's supposed to be, I, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and assume, fictional person who had studied hypnosis and, and suggestion and became this uh, mysterious figure who's maybe possibly the most powerful hypnotist we've ever had. And also and we yada, have no yada. idea what he looks like. <laughs> no idea what he looks like because the, the book is so faded, right? And like his face shows up all the time, but his face is sort of blank, like the villain from Blood and Black Lace or Dick Tracy. Uh, and, you know, he's like the killer empty and you can put anything you want onto him and he could be anybody he's faceless and it's a lot of fun stuff you know but as long as nobody talks to him he's powerless as long as nobody listens he's powerless but he's so talented that even talking, it doesn't matter what your mindset is going into the conversation. You could know everything about him and what he's capable of, and he can still get in there without you even knowing. I don't like it. No, no <laughs> one likes it, but it's so good. It's And the movie shoots these scenes so fucking well because I, I'm not going to go ahead and say you, the viewer, but I personally had that feeling of being hypnotized. Like, I'm not... Maybe I'm just starting to pay attention to it a little bit. Uh, or I had a half a edible, maybe. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I felt myself slipping into that. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think we're about at the point where it starts to get weird. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's been weird since the start. Yeah, but... But you're talking about explaining the ending. Is so that what you're saying? So I start to get very, very confused. Brad Pitt... <laughs> all of a sudden he is at like this warehouse but it's only in glimpses and we never really explain anything but there's a guy in the window and nice you're like what shot. the fuck yeah. and the next time the detective goes to see brad pitt he's he's very edgy he's very weird he's been scratching an x in his wall and we're like oh fuck he got mesmered <laughs> yeah and he instead of actually murdering somebody and doing the x thing he commits suicide yeah that's an interesting move which is for his character, like maybe he was in the throes of it. He realized that he was, you know, like under the influence of this hypnosis and the only way to get out of it without committing murder mm -hmm. would be to kill himself. Yeah. But a lot of that is just trying to, to explain to myself because all of these scenes at the end are very, very short and unexplained. Okay. I'm with you. The detective ends up at that abandoned warehouse farmhouse after the killer has escaped prison his like uh... yeah one two skip a few he breaks the radiator and escapes yeah well i think he yeah yeah he is he is he escapes he's on the loose the detective finds him and there's a lot of weird imagery happening in that warehouse right yeah like we see a person a figure behind a sheet and we we pull back the curtain and it's just a small photo of that mesmer character but you know a half a second ago it looked like there was a whole person standing there mm -hmm. uh, and then you know he eventually finds the killer basically just waiting for him in the warehouse and he talks about how he let him escape you 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 wanted me to escape you kind of let it happen so that way you could be 
be the one person to find me and 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 understand why I did it and how I did it. Like you want to personally be the person who like you want to understand me. You want to you figure out everything there is about me and what makes me tick. And you don't when want he says po- that, you're like, that's great. We're gonna understand. Yeah, what's hooray! Going can't, on. can't wait for that. <laughs> and then the cop just blows him away. <laughs> just fucking shoots him to death. And you're like, he was gonna tell us. What's so great about that too, like there's there's a scene where the psych, psychi- Brad Pitt psychiatrist tries to show the detective uh, like a, an old video of possibly this Mesmer character. This video's from 1898. Cool, I believe it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in the hypnosis video, we see him forming an X with his hands in the air. And the killer, right, he's been shot several times by the cop and he's the cop standing over him and he starts to form the x in the air he's smiling and laughing the whole time and before he can finish the x the cop just shoots him like five times in the head like goodbye you're dead we're done with you and in like a quiet moment of reflection just sort of like sits down in the warehouse and turns on an old wax cylinder which is a recording of the the mesmer character yeah so you're like is this okay is this where mesmer originated is this like his original like I don't know, cult factory. <laughs> like this is where he was doing all of his studying and yeah, stuff. Yeah, because like, there were beds there. There was surgical stuff. Like it looks like it was a, um, an old facility. Yeah, and the, the wax cylinder is sort of explaining... It, it's almost the like wax a, cylinder is explaining nothing. Ah, we don't get to hear the whole wax cylinder. The but wax cylinder is just eerie words. Yeah, it's eerie words. <laughs> it's it, but it's very clearly talking about the nature of hypnosis and the human mind and yada yada. And then we cut to the detective having a nice lunch or he's dinner. He's super chill. He's eating his food. First time we've seen. Right, like like previously before this, he's been your standard detective. He orders some food. He sits in front of it, staring at it, drinking black coffee and smoking a half a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, cigarettes and coffee is his. Diet. That's the diet. <laughs> but now he's happy. He's carefree. All of his burdens are gone. The wife, the killer. Yeah, he's eat. There's nothing left on his plate. I, he's like practically ready to order dessert. Uh, and then he, you know, he just has a quick little like thank you with the with the waitress. And then the camera leaves him and just follows the waitress in the restaurant. We see her talk to somebody, uh, and then she grabs a knife and walks to the other side of the screen, and the credits roll. And that's crazy eerie because what the fuck did we just see is he now taking on the role that this hypnotist serial killer had but is completely unaware that he is infecting people with this thought and we are just spreading murder all across the city it's fucked yeah and i have no answers for any of it i do not understand i the imagery at the, the final shot you're just like what the fuck why does she have a knife but I don't understand. Like, did he infect himself with that phonograph or whatever? Like, is the is the reason why the Mesmer character doesn't have a face because he doesn't die and he passed on, the Mesmer character became that kid and then when that kid died, it became the detective. But I'm just jumping. I'm not getting... Like, nothing in the movie sold me that definitively. Not necessarily, no. No. <laughs> like, why, why did he listen to the... Mm. Okay, so I'm just gonna... I have not read these, but I got, I've just got the, like, the last few paragraphs here on Wikipedia. If we're lucky, we'll get some answers. Okay. Who knows? Probably not. 
When Mamiya escapes, uh, killing a policeman and a doctor in the process, Takabi tracks him to a deserted building in the wilderness and shoots him. But not before Mamiya, moments before dying, draws an X in the air with his finger in front of Takabi. Exploring the building, Takabi finds and listens to an old phonograph cylinder that contains a scratchy recording of a male voice repeating what seems to be cryptic, hypnotic instructions. The next scene cuts to the mental hospital where Takabi had his wife committed. A nurse hears a squeaking sound behind her and turns to see Takabi's wife's lifeless body in a wheelchair with an X carved into her neck. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, it because it was a flash. It was a flash. It was like, blam, here's a dead body. I think it's the wife of the cop. Boom, we're at the restaurant. Well, like, you're, but is it real? Is it real? That's the thing. Like, There are plenty of scenes in the movie where you see a murder or something scary and it's in a flash and you're not sure if it's real or if it's just a passing thought going through your mind. The detective sees his wife commit suicide in the most jarring fucking Honey, I'm Home scene ever. Oh my ever. god, that was so fucking good. And, He's like, ugh. like we're literally lingering on him for a very long time breaking down in his kitchen and then like all the of a sudden- the silent can't make a sound breaking down. And then all of a sudden his wife is standing beside him like, hey, are you okay? She's just vacuuming. You're home early. <laughs> and he's just like, I, uh, uh, Gotta go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, the film ends ambiguously. We know that. Thanks, uh, bud. At a restaurant where a waitress serves Takabi, then suddenly draws out a knife after speaking to the detective, suggesting that the phonograph's hypnotic power continues to spread. Okay, so we did find some answers. <laughs> Maybe possibly. That's just according to whoever wrote the synopsis on Wikipedia. Hmm. What's cure? <laughs> like, what's the cure? Is the problem that humanity... I think like, the cure is the is the permission to act on like it's a negative cure. Okay. Like the cure for your your secret aggression that to be a true human being you have to allow yourself the cure of I guess permission. Interesting. That's the thing. Like the movie definitely has a grim uh discussion about humanity because if we all have the desire to murder what does that say about us like not great things not great things <laughs> yeah like and is is that a natural human emotion and response like is that something that we're supposed to do or expected to do or is is natural for us to do but we have taught ourselves not to do it I mean, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I don't think it's bad that we don't kill. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. I think, you know, getting angry to the point where you you think you you want to hurt somebody and then don't is a sign of growth. So maybe maybe let's <laughs> let's be more, a little optimistic about it and say that the facade that we have, the the you know, the um the archetypes, the the sort of like Carl Jung philosophy idea that we have faces, masks that we put on that are our personality. They're not necessarily really who we are, but who we become in the real world. Like who you are inside your mind is completely different from who you are uh, in interactions with uh -huh. people. That that is the cure to the, the the deep, dark human nature. I mean, the movie's not saying that. I mean, it but... might be. We don't know. <laughs> like, if he's just unlocking something in everybody that they, they do, like, wouldn't it be biologically not a good thing for, <laughs> for people <laughs> to... Man, I went from a science word to a dumb word. <laughs> um, to, to commit murder. Like, wouldn't it not be bad for bio... Like, like our genes 
don't want to kill other people because we need to continue and move on like a virus. Uh <laughs> yeah, but so we're also at an unprecedented time where our species is not at threat. You're trying to say <laughs> that this is a population control thing? Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> There's too many of us. <laughs> and the, the collective unconscious says some of us gotta go. <laughs> Survival of the thinkest. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, damn. I just want to know why. Why that kid? Did he actually not remember who he was? Was that all bullshit? So that he could disarm and hypnotize people? That's a great question. And I really don't know. Because I, I think maybe you would assume that he in his exploration of just like his interests, like hypnosis and psychology and whatnot, found his way to that building where Mesmer was, listened to the cylinder, and now has been emptied mm. and is no longer a person and has just been downloaded with this information from Mesmer and is just like an agent of chaos. So I just needed the film to be a little stupider uh, <laughs> for me. Like, yeah. th think the audience was a little stupider. And then as the detective is watching it, just flash back to the kid watching it a year earlier. <laughs> or even just a scene where somebody like bumps into the detective and is like, oh, nice to meet you again. And he's just like, I don't Who remember you. you. <laughs> <laughs> but he went to a restaurant that he's already been to before. Yes. So I think he is still the person he was. Yes. And, but there's also a lot about the kid, the killer, being like, you're different. And, yeah. and he tries to hypnotize the detective more than he tries with any other character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And doesn't succeed to fully hypnotize the detective he definitely gets emotion out of him he riles him up he gets him angry but he doesn't he doesn't sway him in any way Un unless it's like a you know john doe seventh scenario where it's just like you you think you've got the upper hand <laughs> john doe has the upper hand <laughs> yeah right like you're like oh what could go wrong we're bringing him out to the desert we got guns he's in shackles we've got everything we want he's powerless here but really you're playing into his hand right like it could be that Maybe he always knew that the detective was going to replace him and there was this weird Joker-esque laughing in his face as he's dying because he knows that he's going to become him. You want to know how I got these cures? <laughs> <laughs> like, <is> that, <laughs> that was great. Yeah, I think, uh, but but if the movie, like because it's so ambiguous, I think it warrants and, and you know, is inviting conversations about human nature and stuff I think if it was a little more it's exactly this it's exactly that this is what we're talking about it'd be like seven you know it'd just be like oh wow what a tight thriller with some cops and stuff and yes that is what you and I are looking for but the movie I just I keep we keep going to see these J-horror movies and we're like woo ghosts and, and cool hair and stuff and we're getting existential crises <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't know what it means to be alive. <laughs> I don't know what I, what I am anymore. Like, is humanity doomed? Are we are we just cannibalizing each other? Next yeah. time we're watching Ganjam Haunted Asylum like I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we are a little overdue for maybe some just sort of straightforward, ooh, it's a guy with knives for fingers <laughs> who haunts you in your dreams kind of movie. Wow, though. I... 
I have to say, like, I still really enjoyed it. I, I I feel like I was too dumb for the movie, but I enjoyed it. Abs- oh, absolutely. Way too dumb for the movie, but but really loved it. Yeah, and we didn't even talk about it. I mean, it was one of our good things, but yeah, he hypnotizes that doctor, and then later she kills a dude in a bathroom, and after she cuts the X into his, his front, you know, from his neck down into his chest, she just starts peeling his skin back. And just well, because like, we find out she wanted to be a surgeon. Yeah, so that, that's how oh. he's able to get into her, right? He's talking about, like, how, you know, women are subservient to men and she's really fighting that hypnosis but he he's he's trying to get her back to the memory of when that was trying to when be when she was trying her. to be a doctor and she was in school and fighting against those prejudices and like that's how she was she was never able to become a surgeon because men come first and we're gonna make men the surgeons and you can be an intake nurse or whatever her position is here at the hospital and yeah it was while she was cutting open a cadaver that she sort of like had like the catharsis of maybe fighting back against this uh you know misogyny in her own field and so just like just that nugget there's just like that half a second of a thought was enough to pollute her into becoming a murderer that's terrifying yeah because like you don't control most of the thoughts you have like you they, they just pass by you like a conveyor belt and like you can pick up the ones that you want to you want to hang out with for a little bit longer and the other ones can go the fuck away but just because your eye saw it as it was going by now you can become a murderer 20 years later fuck oh man I don't like that <laughs> I don't like that either so yeah three out of four <laughs> yeah i feel i feel like we cracked some eggs in this discussion i, I feel... cracked my own egg in this discussion i'll give you that <laughs> i feel like we we i don't know if we got it entirely nope. I, I think we we definitely found some really great thoughts yeah, i mean honestly i am happy to have a movie that we can revisit in a few years with fresh eyes and sort of you know figure out a little more like a like a goddamn Stanley Kubrick movie or something. Yeah, like I don't want to over ruminate as well. Like yeah. I don't I don't want to read an article that's just like what this really means and have somebody tell you that's what it is because in in a sense too there's a reason why the film was vague. Yes, because you're you're supposed to try and pick at it yourself a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, uh, and and like a way. like a David Lynch film because uh-huh. we've been comparing uh-huh. <laughs> comparing Kurosawa to David Lynch is that, you know, David Lynch never never justifies anything he does because never. a lot of what he makes is like what you bring to the table. Yeah, the whole idea is like he's they both understand like this is a subjective art form and what you read out of it is what's going to to be important to you. Yeah, like is, was it this? Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? Of course. Of course <laughs> it was to you. It was to you. Like your own personal experience. That's what you brought to this movie and that's what you saw in it. So, you know, uh, in a few years from now after one of us has become a serial killer, uh, we'll be able to rewatch this movie and go, oh, I get it now. <laughs> My bet's on you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because I'm the highly suggestible type. You got hypnotized by a movie I mean I wasn't like actually <laughs> hypnotized I was just like vibing with it uh, I'm gonna do a two and a half out of four just because I wanted uh, I did want answers even though I'm like I don't need answers I, I did want and I uh, uh, I wasn't sure if there was so- anything supernatural about this film and I'm still unsure I think you're supposed to be unsure you know like that's the thing like does he have this this magical power or is it just something that he unlocked from inside of us all along yeah 
But that's just our opinion. Let us know what you thought of Cure. This movie's streaming on Criterion right now. Uh, it's been on Criterion for a little while. It'll probably be there if you're listening to this episode two years in the future. Hello, future you. Uh, anyway, let us know on Twitter at NOFS Podcast or in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at nofspodcast.com slash Discord. We would love for you to tell us what this movie's about. Please, God. <laughs> yeah, any and all interpretation of this film is welcomed. And desperately needed. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a fan of Nightmare on Film Street, consider giving us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps the show. And if you've been a fan for a while, consider supporting us on Patreon. We drop bonus episodes and tons of fun, fun stuff there at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. Um, you can pledge as little or as much as you want, and it really helps us cover our operating costs. Yeah, Nightmare on Film Street's free to listen to uh, forever and always, and it's made possible by the members of the Fiend Club. So Thanks, guys. Thank you so much to the Fiend Club, and thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, we hope you dug it, and we'll be back again next week with another spooky movie, probably something not nearly as mind-scrambling and totally easy to follow. I'm thinking maybe we go pure Midnight Madness. We just get into some trash <laughs> Let's Brains do and barf. That's right. <laughs> I want boobs and explosions, baby. <laughs> Chainsaws, uh, a must. <laughs> but until then, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay, Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.